to episode one, the Hello Audio origin story. This one's going to be good. In today's episode, we're going to basically go back in time and look at the very early like ideation stage of Hello Audio, where it came from. We're going to talk about that inspiration, some of the early challenges. We won't go deep into too much of it. Some of it is a little intense, but we're not going to cover all of it, but we will talk about those early challenges and then how we overcame them to build the platform you know and love today. And we're also going to talk about you know, the gap in the market and like why we felt like we had to build it because of the problem that it was solving was really important to us. So excited that you're here. So I'm going to start this one because it starts with, well, it, you know, we could go back before even the idea of Hello Audio and talk about the dinner that we met at. Yes. <laughs> it oh my starts when Lindsay was sat next to Nora during Jennifer Kem's dinner called, what was it called? Femfluence. Femfluence. Yeah. yeah. And she had said she like purposely tried to orchestrate that table. I think there was like 20, maybe 30 women there, other creators and business owners and they were in town for a conference and I'm sitting next to Nora and we started talking about courses and it's like oh this is why that's why <laughs> we're sitting next together to yeah so when we met at this event and we got into talking about course completion and designing programs for people and wanting them to finish Nora and I knew we wanted to build something together at some point and we thought it was going to be a course or a program I come from the background of teaching course creation Nora marketing and funnel building and all of that stuff and also course design. So intertwined. And so we were like, oh, that's what's missing in this industry. So let's like meet that summer. And so that was in March of 2019. Wow. I think. Right. So long ago. Yeah. I yeah. think it was. Yeah. And then, so that summer we were just kind of hanging out and talking and we actually did. There was a folder of what I think oh, was yeah. called Course Power or something. I don't remember what it was going to be. We did a logo and everything. I we think. did a logo. Yeah. I mean, it still could be pretty good. <laughs> Someone should <laughs> launch say, it. If we had time. <laughs> right? We had time. So fast forward to that fall. Okay. So Nora and I are hanging out pretty regularly, working on this side project while running our own kind of consulting businesses. At some point that year, I had bought a course that was hosted on a WordPress site. And the creator of this course, I haven't gotten approval from her, maybe I should, but the creator of this course was making YouTube videos. And she was a great orator. She's one of those teachers that had that style of can lecture and you love listening to it, right? And so I didn't need to see anything. She had no slides. And it was her in a YouTube video that was password protector or private or whatever. And I just remember saying, why can't I just listen to this? I hate that I have to click through a bunch of things. And in that same time, I want to say too, I was in a lot of groups of membership communities where people are looking at ways to deliver content. And there was, and so this is lining up with that that feeling of wishing I could just listen to a piece of content and watching in a group, someone talk about listening to something in private podcasts. I don't even think the private podcast was the word it was used. It was, it was podcast form, but it, you couldn't find it. And her husband had written script. So it wasn't searchable in your podcast apps. We'll dive into that in a future episode about the difference between private and public. But all that to be said, I said to Derek, I'm like, can we do that for people? I'm like, could you write that script and we can maybe make them for course people? And he's like, yeah, probably. And so he dove in it and thought about it. And it was that fall when he finally came back to me and said, 
yes, and we need to build it. So he had dove into what was being termed private podcasting. It was very early. Transistor FM does private podcasting. We love their software. They've always been an inspiration to us. They were, I think, had slotted to release private podcasting that October. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. And as they were releasing it, I was like, it's just not going to work. I, it's not going to do what I needed to do. And so it was with that little bit of information where we knew we could protect RSS feeds from being searched, right? So I couldn't go into Apple and find someone's $1,000 course. We knew we could protect that. We just knew that the setup of that private podcast was not going to be the same as someone who was hosting a public podcast. And so that's when Derek's, we have to build this. And so he felt comfortable with me making a post on Facebook. And so I made a post in October of 2019. And I was like, don't you wish you could listen to your course? <laughs> and because I had this background in course creation, and that's what I did in the space, everyone's like, oh my gosh, yes. Like I wish every course I had a podcast version. And so it was called Podcast Your Course. We bought podcastyourcourse.com. We also bought Podcast Your Summit, Podcast Your Launch, Podcast oh, Your Webinar. <laughs> I mean, it had four or 500 comments on it. Ended oh, yeah. up about $30,000 we raised off of that first post. So this is all happening, right? And Nora and I are in our still meeting and we're like, oh, I guess we're launching this thing, Nora. And she's like, that's cool. And she's like, I can help you. I used to work in SaaS. And we're like, oh, of course you have. Of course I you know I just have what a computer do. science degree. She's it's like, fine. I know we ran product teams. Software. Like, I think I can handle this. <laughs> so she's giving us advice, right? Oh, like you should do this. And there were other things happening. Not going to get into the other storyline of like, not deciding to build it, but so that October, we were like, okay, I guess we're building this. And so Nora was coaching us a little bit. And we're just like, I don't know really how this is going to fit into what we're doing. But we just got a big go ahead of you should totally do this. And so one of the first things was, I guess we need to find a developer. And that was an interesting thing. As somebody who does not have a tech background, Derek has enough to be able to interpret stuff, but not really make a product per se. And then Nora has the experience as well. So we did explore potentially just joining forces with another podcast host. So maybe we don't have to build a thing from scratch. Maybe we could be partners with another podcast hosting company. And so we started that conversation and that took up all the way up until about February. And in February, without getting into all the details of this, there are other things that can be <laughs> spoke about or... Maybe you could do some past research on the episodes we've been on <laughs> on other shows. But we were approached by a lifetime licensed purchaser to partner. And in that approach, it was also like, well, Nora should be a part of this too. Like she's been here this whole time. So we decided to join forces, four of us. Nora, do you have any commentary? Yeah, this, this part, and I'll talk about it from just a standpoint of creating a SaaS business, right? Mm. That's hard. So let's yes. just... Yeah, speaking about our shared values and how important mm. it is for all of us, which is why we connect so well, is because we actually, we care a lot. 
sometimes to a fault. Maybe yes. some might argue, yeah. but I don't, I don't think so. But we care a lot about our user success. So we didn't want to develop some flash in the pan piece yeah. of software that wasn't going to be here in a couple months. Or you've probably seen products on AppSumo that are there one month and then they do a cash grab and they go, wait, that's not where we were. And so we were doing all the right steps. Do we build versus buy all the right things mm. that you're supposed mm -hmm. to do when you go through a SaaS kind of ideation and you're trying to figure out what to build. And I would say the partnership piece is so challenging. Mm. And I think sometimes, you know, especially when you're not in it on the daily and we weren't at that point, right? Yeah. Like I, we both had separate businesses and we were doing those things. And so I think we went into it with huge hearts um, mm. and we learned a lot. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I think as a result of kind of everything that happened, that's yeah. probably the best way. This to could say be that. a whole other episode. I literally am like, oh, a partnership episode that could be interesting. Yeah, we'll, because, we'll definitely put that yeah, down. Yeah, and like I think so. Here's what I think is really important in this story. Nora and I had been talking for well over a year. I knew how she thought about business, and, and it like wasn't like parenting we were skills. To, yeah, <laughs> it's a part of it. You get to know me, right? Totally, as a human, and. I think there's the human part and then like the match that we have in like skill sets and, and the trust factor. There was something about what we were doing that was very like, we're doing this because we like each other's values and, and we understand that there's something here. We don't know what it is yet. And it was this very patient thing that happened. And I think that was, it was created out of a space of like mutual respect, not out of a space like, what can I get from this person? Yes, like, what can, yes. what could bringing Nora on do for me? Wasn't it was like very like it was all. just happening. Yeah. yeah. In the background versus this other partner who approached us from a very perspective of what can I get from this situation? Yeah. Very opportunistic. And like, very opportunistic. And it all showed up in how it played out. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so <laughs> we'll fast forward from February to May, where we built a version of the product with this partner who then decided to leave and take the code. We're going to end it there. Yeah. <laughs> and so in May, end of May, we were two weeks away from launch. The product was mm -hmm. working and this person decided that it wasn't a good fit for them and they owned everything, which was not true. And we totally could have gone after that and fought for it. But we looked at this and we're like, we can build this again. And like, I really honestly, and to this day, still believe that was such a freaking blessing. And so mm. as we look at that, while it was like one of the scariest things that's happened to me in business and ever, we were able to start from scratch and not have the weight of this person that now we saw like some behaviors were like, oh my gosh, we were almost in equity, right? So up until yeah. that point, we were supposed to have an equity meeting about how we were going to split this all up. And there was a lot of people that were like, you don't have to do it early on. Want to make sure that it's a good fit. And thank God we did because it wasn't a fit for anybody. And like this person obviously thought that, right? Um, while it was really scary to build under the pressure of, oh my God, they're releasing the thing that was our idea. Again, lifetime license user. <laughs> yeah. And they're going to get all the customers. That was very scary. But what it did was also demonstrate how important audience building and relationship building is prior to that and the trust that I built from that because this person did not have that. And it showed in that they weren't able to really do anything to us. And that summer, we also had a, another developer that didn't quite hit the vision that we wanted. And so now we're on developer three heading into the fall, a product that was our 
creation out there competing with us. We did a lifetime license launch again that summer. And, um, and so we were able to raise about a hundred K from our users just roughly, and then brought on Bill Bolden, who was the person who was the early developer and was a big part of what Hello Audio is today, the foundation of it. And Bill came on um, I think built the app in about six weeks. Now this is our third time. So we learned a lot in that yeah. number of times building it, the things that we wanted, but also build was very excellent, very great zero to one builder of startup apps. We were very fortunate to have somebody with that experience and able to get it out. And because that was the pressure we were feeling, we were not going to go overseas and find it like this needed to be executed. And we, I remember coming to that moment and being like, oh, this is us playing a big game by investing in someone like Bill. And it was a scary moment because it was like, we don't have a lot of cash. <laughs> We're essentially like, we've been burned out twice. I don't know. We just knew there was something weird about how we knew it was going to get us to where we needed to go at that point, like where we were at that point. Yeah. I think it's also interesting when you find a developer. Now I can, I'm, I'm speaking as a former developer. Yeah. Now granted, I'm a little ancient and my, the languages that I know are probably <laughs> not the current ones. So there's that. But I, I mean, having managed developers and having interacted with developers for decades in the corporate space and even in startup space, Bill, I think also, it was also shared values mm -hmm. and the shared vision, right? Yeah. You can hire developers from Upwork. You can hire developers from, totally. from a lot of places and they don't necessarily have the passion and the vision and they don't necessarily have the values and they don't necessarily get, and they don't necessarily have to. Yeah. Or way, care. To, to I develop, think like Bill care. had always yeah. cared about yes. what we were doing. With an audio background, Bill is a DJ as well on the oh, side. Yeah. So- there was just this like, yeah, it kind of just aligned. And so, yeah, so we yeah. launched November 2020 with most of the main features that we have. Yeah. We were very clear on what we wanted to deliver early on. We knew the roadmap. I think we had public podcasting by the end of that year. Yeah. We saw it as, as a way to, to make us be a place where people could go for audio, right? For podcasting, but with a focus on private podcasting. So yeah, so that's kind of the early days of how that ideation went and what the development journey is. We're going to dive in a little bit deeper. Derek is going to come on and he's head of product at Hello Audio. So we'll talk more about like roadmap and like milestones that we hit and where we want to take Hello Audio and that vision. We'll wait for that episode with Derek. So we wanted to keep this one more about the early, early days. And we do want to dive in a little bit in this conversation, especially in that, like, I get this question a lot, like, how'd you know what to build or how'd you know what features to build? And a little conversation about the problem that Hello Audio will solve, I think would be really key here. Whenever I've been a part of a winning software, right, throughout my entire career, it's interesting because a lot of times it starts by building a solution for yourself, which is exactly what yes, happened here, totally. right? And it's, you know, you have this need, you know, it's a need in the market that Facebook post kind of tested that need. Yep. Like, we, you know, that was just getting, it's it, like, it do clearly resonated. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Totally. Yes, they do. Yeah. <laughs> and I think when we, even when we talked, it was like, I, you know, my kids were a little younger at the time, but I still, I was spending hours at the soccer field or hours at band practice and it was a convenience factor and being 
able to consume the content that we want to consume. I'm, like, I'm not alone. There mm. are thousands and thousands of people out there that are just like us that yes. want that convenience factor, that want to, to listen to those things. So when we, whenever you're looking at what problem to solve, there's evidence that problem exists in the market. And if you're experiencing that problem, chances are other people are too. So there are ways to test to make sure that, yeah. that you're solving so the problem. To, I need to highlight something here and it's going to pat ourselves on the back a little bit. I think good products that make it and get profitable and those kind of things, like because not a lot of products make it. No, <laughs> and it's a lot true. easier to create software now, thankfully, right? But also there are misplaced ideas of what the solution actually does and do people really want it. But we generated a lot of demand ourselves. Yes. Like I, as we're launching a private, a public podcast about private podcasting, cause it doesn't exist. The idea of a private podcast, while it's still something we have to explain, we were instrumental in the conversation in the online course and business space around private podcasting. Like we, like, yes, other platforms had it, but we were a big mover of just showing how valuable it is and almost creating. That was the hard part about Hello Audio in the early days too. Mm -hmm. And we didn't talk about like getting into tech stars and going through that process too. But like the hard part about Hello Audio was like, you know, it's interesting. We're creating, we're like a couple steps ahead because people don't realize how valuable it is until they get their first course that has a private podcast. And they're like, oh, and so it really, we were a big part of that. And that's scary because yeah. you're like, am I crazy? this is what people want. Right. And then you're like, I hope they want it. And there is a slow build to it, but you know, we are creating a category and like a use case of something that already existed, which was also weird because we, that did make it interesting as like podcasts already had a meaning and like, it means a show like we're doing right now about a topic or whatever. Right. And private podcasts is okay, but like, why do I want it to be private? And we'll get into this more in the other things. So but I think it's important to talk about when you talk about pro solving a problem, it's like the problem is people weren't finishing their courses, right? They were, they had a bunch of content, but they could not find the time to complete them. And it wasn't just a calendar problem or a planning problem. And so when you're like, oh, pop on those noise canceling headphones, it's when I'm going for a drive or when I'm walking the dog oh, you're now creating space for that person to listen. And it's like, we are solving a problem and it might be a little bit of a battle getting people to realize that, but there will be this kind of swell that happens when it's like, you can't come across it and not say hello audio. That's what we wanted. We want every course to have it. We want people to think of hello audio when they think of private podcasting. And that's because I think it's our users and how creative and amazing they are it's us getting out there and talking about it. It's creating a product that was really easy to use. I think that is another feather in our cap where if it was impossible to use, it'd be really hard because now not only do they have the hurdle of not quite getting what it is or what it can do, but now it's, well, I have to set this whole thing up. That sounds like a lot of work and it's not. And that's where it's, oh, this is good. So yeah, I don't know if you have any other thoughts you want to say about like the problem. It was interesting because when we initially launched it, we were not marketing to podcasters. So we oh, had yeah. just built a podcasting tool for people who didn't consider themselves podcasters. Yes. And so it was like, wait, what? What, what do you mean? Yeah, you can have a podcast without having a show. 
Like that's, <laughs> you can, and then once you turn, once that light bulb goes on and the epiphany happens, yeah. like you can podcast all sorts of different content. You can yes. turn all these different pieces of content. Yes, we started with the course because that was probably the biggest problem in, the, in one of the industries because mm -hmm. all these course creators had built these courses and no one was finishing them. Right. Yeah. And completion rates were just generally low across the boards. Well, guess what? If you make it easier for people to listen to it, they'll actually consume your content. Weird. Shocking, I know, <laughs> but it actually happens. But then to watch the shift from courses to all the other types mm. of content, marketing, fulfillment, all, and we'll get into the, the list of things and the problems that it solves at the core of it is we're making it easier for people to consume the content. Yep. So they do. And mm -hmm. so that to me, I think. We took a big risk positioning ourselves the way we did in the marketplace because most people at the time thought that private podcasts are just the premium podcast. Membership you, shows. Right? Yeah. Membership shows. So it's yeah. behind the scenes content or the extra content that people are paying for. And we flipped it and we flipped the script a little and said, no, you can podcast all sorts of different stuff mm -hmm. and look at what this does to your marketing and sales and your client success rates and all the things so I think that was risky for us, but we knew where the market ultimately would see the value in it. And so we yeah. stuck with that, which I think is a big deal. Yeah. And if you look at the cornerstone feature, which is like a very basic feature, but it's one that I'm almost positive still no public podcast hosting company has. It is the ability to drag and drop a bunch of videos and then just create episodes out of it. That was it. Like on a Both basic upload. level. Yeah. <laughs> From a tech perspective, not difficult, but all the features we strung together, Derek, I think is going to talk a little bit more about this, but the features that we strung together, you could individually go get them other places, right? You could individually convert a video to audio and upload it to a different podcast hosting company. That was the aha moment as the creators of the product that were like, we have to build this. They're never going to do that <laughs> because yeah. they run a podcast hosting company for people that host a weekly show. Like bottom line, in what world is even Joe Rogan uploading 50 episodes at once? He's not. He's uploading a three hour or whatever podcast once a week, still video, and but is never a library. And that library was the only thing I needed as a course creator to get all 50 episodes in here. And please don't make me do every title and every single thing separately. That was it. That was the beginning. What's cool about what we built, like looking back and what makes for a great SaaS company is like that time to value was fast because yes. the first interaction almost with it is that feature. That's the cornerstone feature. And you're like, Oh, oh like yeah. that's how easy this is. Oh, and guess what? Our users have a shit ton of content. So here we are like with a shit ton of content that we can turn into a feed literally instantly. And like, I think there's some luck in that. <laughs> Not going to lie. It wasn't like sure. we're genius. There's some luck in like that. But I think that's the evidence of you You have something when it, when you can do that and get that value quickly, fill a gap in the market that exists. And to Nora's point earlier, like we built it, like I knew exactly what I wanted because I was the, you know, user. And so that made our first feature set a hit versus not. And then it's, is this something people will pay for? And I think that next step is, does my audience care? And I think what is cool again about what we had is like, we make our users look really good to their audience. Oh yeah. 
they're, they look innovative. They look like they care because they do not saying like they look like, but they care. And now I'm like, oh, I'm so glad they gave me this option. This creator cares about me and they care that I'm going to finish this. And they care about the diverse ways of learning and consuming content. When that happens, like once you like that our user passes that and sees that value return, like the idea that they wouldn't pay for something like that becomes like, oh yeah, this is a top one of my pieces of tech that I need. Like, how can I not offer that once I've already done it? My audience expects it. And I think that's really powerful too. Yeah. And I would say big props to our user base too, mm. because they care about their clients. Totally. And I think that's a that's not necessarily common. Yeah, like a lot of people wouldn't pay for that because they don't care. They're like, you give me $1,000, it's your responsibility to open the login or whatever. Yeah, It's so true. And I think that really defines, I think our user base a lot is because they do care so much and they do care about ease and convenience for their people. And yes, ease and convenience for them. They're recognizing as business owners or as creators audio, even audio only content, a Mm. lot easier to create the video, right? And a lot easier to edit and a lot easier, all the things. And so I think I just, I know we're in love with our user base. Like we just, all the things that they do is so cool. And we love, we were inspired by them. But I think that's, that's a big part of our growth too, has been listeners from other people's courses who were Mm -hmm. like, this is amazing. This is, I love this. I need to do this for my audience. And that snowballed into a ton of referrals, which I think was really speaks to the value that other people get the listener, the ultimate listener when they get that. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. You made me think too. So yeah, our user base cares about their people, which is really important. And they like to experiment. (laughs) And I think that that is really cool too, as well. And I think this is a great place to kind of, yeah, encapsulate what we're going to talk about for this whole, this podcast as it, as it exists. We don't know how long it's going to go forever, maybe. But yeah, just the idea that our user base taking these risks on this product and then also just like being super creative and, and that I think the type of marketer that, or the type of business owner that has to market (laughs) is somebody who likes to do something that's experimental, be innovative, take risks in their business with their customer as the center of that. And so that is really the story of Hello Audio. Hopefully that was somewhat interesting, pulling back the curtain, looking at the early days of Hello Audio. That won't be the last time you hear about some of that stuff, (laughs) but it is nice to kind of share our journey. All right. See you next time. There you have it, audio heads. Another episode of Launch Your Private Podcast is in the books. I hope you're leaving today feeling even more ready to amplify your voice and connect with your audience in meaningful ways. The adventure continues in our next episode with even more insights, strategies, and inspiration to help you along your own private podcasting journey. Of course, make sure to check out helloaudio.fm to start your own private podcast. And remember, you've got amazing content that needs to be heard. So let's turn the volume up.